Aren't you glad we serve the Savior that we serve? Aren't you glad that we have a Jesus that loves us and cares for us and came for us and died for us? My name is Brian Hollingsworth. I am not the senior pastor here. Um, Rex is our senior pastor, and very, I feel very honored to be, um, to be included with him in, in sharing with you this morning. Um, we're going through the book of Acts right now and kind of doing a series on the book of Acts, and we're hitting the highlights, kind of Acts has it, got a lot of stuff in it. Um, we're not going to hit all of it. Um, and today we're going to somewhat take a detour, but the detour is springboarded from the book of Acts. Uh, we, you see the book, in the book of Acts, you see the church begin, and it's, it's, their, it's their, their opening act of the church. Jesus, Jesus comes, he's crucified, he's buried, he resurrects. They see him leave, and he says, I'm going to leave. Angels come and say, just the way you saw him leave, he's going to come back. And then the disciples are left with, okay, now what? And that's the book of Acts. The, the book of Acts is now what after Jesus leaves. And so we've talked about how they started out. And, and a few weeks ago, I, I preached on the, the daring church. And Rex has mentioned some other stuff about how the church began. And as you read the book of Acts, you come across a guy named Joseph that the disciples called Barnabas. Anybody, anybody heard the name Barnabas before? All right, you'll hear Barnabas with Saul. You'll, you will very seldomly hear Barnabas without Saul included because as we go through the book of Acts, you'll see that Barnabas is with Saul and Paul as the name change happens through most of his missionary journeys. And, and they're, two, they're two different people um, and they're, they're, they're different personalities. But one of the things that I learned uh, very early in my career, in, in my police career, is it helps to have someone with a different personality as your partner. Um, this might be hard for some of you to, under, to, to believe, but uh, I'm kind of a hothead. Um, I, I have a pretty, I've grown over the years, but there were times in my career when I was uh, very quick to get angry. Um, and I, I always had partners that kept me. I stayed out of trouble because I had partners that would help me realize the blood was rising to my eyeballs and would make comments like, hey, why don't you go find some paperwork? Or how about you get out of the house before you get us in a fight we don't have to be in? Something to that effect. And so, so Paul and Barnabas are actually the same. They're kind of like the same duo. Um, so uh, I teach at our academy. I'm not a, on full-time staff. I just teach a few classes every once in a while, but I wanted to kind of help you understand the difference in perspective of Paul and Barnabas, because they're, they're two different people, and they work very well together. So if Paul were to welcome our cadets on the first day of their academy, it would probably look something like this. Uh, the first day our cadets show up at our academy, we own them, we pay them uh, salary. So the first day that they show up, they, they come in their little white shirts and their black ties and, and they're told where to be. And so they, they're open. We open the academy in the classroom and they meet the mayor. They meet the, they're introduced to the, to the chief and all us command staff are there. And so they, they, they feel pretty proud to be where they're at. And, but 
the media's there. Usually, you'll, usually if, you, if you know a day we're starting an academy, sometimes there'll be a few cameras there. You might see them. Um, once all of those people leave, uh, life changes for them drastically. Um, and and this, is, this is then how they're welcomed to the academy. Uh, this is called the reflection hallway. They come to love the reflection hallway uh, probably four or five years after they're out of the academy. Um, I, when I walk down this hallway, I still twitch. Uh, there, I still can hear Sergeant Gilmore standing in my face, screaming at me because I'm some sort of idiot that probably shouldn't even be alive. Um, and, and so, the, so if you read Paul's writings and you see the way that Paul treated, said things, Paul is pretty blunt. He usually just kind of says it. He doesn't, he doesn't try and make it real nice. But, so he, but he has Barnabas, right? And if Barnabas were to set up our first day of our academy, it would probably look something like this. Because if, I'm not sure if you can see, but Anna the Comfort Dog is there. Uh, so if Barnabas were setting it up, because the Bible tells us that his name was Joseph, and they called him Barnabas, and the word Barnabas means, they said, the, the, the Bible tells us that he's called Barnabas because he's known as the son of encouragement. And so... Paul wasn't necessarily always the encourager. He, but Barnabas was. And so as I was studying, as I was looking at this, I was like, I, I, I'm going to look at what, what does it mean by encourager? And so I looked at the Greek word, and um, I failed one year of Greek. I, I passed one by the skin of my teeth. I failed the next one. So I am not a Greek expert. Um, but I can look things up and read and learn. Uh, and so what I found was, he, in the book of Acts, when they give the name encourager, the word that is used, the Greek word, is paraklesis. And so... Uh, you don't have to remember that. There's not a test on that, but, rem- but just kind of tuck it in the back of your memory. But the word is paraklesis, which means encouragement, but it also is used in Scripture and is translated in some verses as comfort. As Rex and I have prepared for this series, and we've talked about, we've talked about, our, uh, about our sermons and that kind of stuff, one of the things that we have really wrestled with is there... There are a lot of people in our church that are facing difficult times. Um, and so we've been praying about that. We've been praying for people, and we, we want our messages to be encouraging. Um, and so as I was preparing for this, I was like, I could preach out of Acts. I could talk about Ananias and Sapphira. I could sing a cool little song. But, but when I saw that about Barnabas and that his name is encourager and it's also used in comfort, I, I started looking where else that word is used. And I found this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I said, that, that's, that's what we're going to preach on this Sunday. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Paul, probably at the encouragement of Barnabas, writes this. Beginning of verse 3, he says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful, our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we're weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. And then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort 
that God gives us. So Paul gives us this message of comfort. And, and he, there are three things I think that I've pulled out of here that I, want us to, that I want us to kind of pay attention to this morning when it talks about comfort. The first thing, Paul says, praise be to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is what? And he gives him a name. He, he gives him some descriptions. And he says, he's first of all, he's a merciful father, right? And then he says, he's also the God of all comfort. So let's start quickly with merciful father. We talk about God being our father all of the time. And, and, and I would ask you what your perspective is on God. What, how do you view God? Because we each view God differently. I grew up in the home of, of my, da- my dad, my earthly father. I love him to death. He's a phenomenal man, very deep man of God, loves the Lord. He was a state highway patrol. He was a trooper for the state highway patrol. Um, and he was an elder in our church. So the, the, the lines in our house were pretty well defined. Um, some today might say it was a strict household. I'm not sure what word you might give it, but, but it was pretty strict. If, if mom and dad said something and you, ve- and you veered off of that path, there were consequences, right? So that somewhat shaped my view of God. Um, and probably the same for you, depending on how your parents raised you. And then when they talk about you know, God as a father, and that, it, you probably have some similar, it, it kind of guides who you are. Some people really struggle with their relationship with the Lord when we tell them that God is their father because they had horrible relationships with their dad. <clears throat> that is not the case. I, I, I really love my dad. Um, but, but how has that been shaped? Sometimes we think that God is just here to punish us, right? Anybody ever felt that way? God's kind of like looking down at us with his little, uh, he's got his little checkmark book out. Any of you that ever got in trouble in school, you know the teacher was paying attention. I don't know how she always caught me and never caught anybody else, but it happened. I don't know. But some of us see God as the, as, as the checkmark God, right? What Paul says, and it's interesting that Paul says this after we talked about Paul earlier, it, is that God is our merciful Father. So think about it. How many of you as dads or as moms have ever watched your children make a bad decision and know that, know that they're going to pay some consequences for it and you beg them not to make that decision, but they make it anyway. And you, you have to just sit there and watch them go through. That, that, that heart that you have for your children is what Paul says. That's the same heart that God has for us. He's a merciful father. He doesn't want to just punish us. He wants us to receive his mercy. He wants us to understand that he's full of mercy. But he's not just full of mercy. He's the God of all comfort. When we need comfort, God has it for us. Now, I would ask you this question. Do you know of any other ways people seek comfort? This means yes. This means no. Right? Some of them are good, some of them are bad, right? Some, some people seek comfort in alcohol because that takes the edge off. I, it's not, this is not a police class, but it's the world that I work in, so it's the world that I understand uh, better than most. And one of the things that we've struggled with over the year is, years is, is helping officers understand wellness is not when you have a bad day at work, you go to the bar and drink it off. 
Um, we, 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 that, that tends to be a way that we historically have handled. If we, if we have a bad accident scene or maybe a, some other bad scene or dealt with a bunch of crazy people in a day or something, sometimes historically the best way to handle that is a bunch of guys, a bunch of girls go to the bar, drink a lot, don't feel anything anymore, and then find their way home. Um, that's not really, but that doesn't really bring comfort because then the next morning you wake up and you're not so comfortable, right? Some of you have experienced that. Sometimes we, we look for comfort. If we're going through a difficult time, sometimes we look for comfort in our job. We'll, we'll just throw ourselves into our job and nothing else matters. We're, I know what I'm doing when I go to work. I know what's expected of me. If I'm at work, I don't have to think about anything else. I don't have to deal with anything else. So I'm just going to pour myself into work and I'm going to get comfort out of that because I'm going to do a good job. I know what I'm doing. I do it well. And so when I do it well, people pat me on the back. That makes me feel comforted. Some people, some people look for that, look for comfort in their job. Some people look for it in their children, right? Some people, they pour their life into their children. Not that there's anything wrong with pouring your life into your children, but if you're pouring your life into your children just to receive comfort because then your children say, oh, you're so wonderful, mommy, or you're so wonderful, daddy. If that's what you're doing, then maybe, maybe you're not looking for comfort from where we should find it. God says through Paul, God is the God of all comfort. True comfort, true encouragement that is going to be life-sustaining and life-changing always comes from the Lord. There's no other way to get it. There's a lot of ways you can try. There's a lot of ways that might work for a little bit, but unless God is in, that, in the heart of that comfort and, and in the heart of that encouragement, it's not going to last. You're going to have to go somewhere else and try something else until you come to the place where you say, okay, God, you're the God of all comfort. And see, we struggle with that, don't we? That's not easy for us. Because, because God doesn't sit down beside us and say, oh, you're going to be okay. It's going to go well. Just hang on. You're going to get there. So it's difficult for us to trust God to actually give us the comfort that we need. But not only is he the God of all comfort, what, I, what we see in here also is that suffering equals comfort. Now, wait a minute, Brian. That's, that's, like you, that's like you saying one plus one equals four. If I'm suffering, I'm not comforting. I'm not being comforted. Because if I was being comforted, then I wouldn't be suffering, right? So how can you say that suffering actually equals comfort? Look at what Paul says. For the more we suffer for Christ the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. The more that you suffer for Christ, the more that Christ will shower you with his comfort through Christ. So the more that I suffer, the more comfort I can expect when I go and look to God for comfort. Some of you may remember in in the book of Romans, chapter 5, Paul, again, Paul says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Right? Anybody heard that passage? You ever heard that passage preached on? All right. So if I sin more, I'm going to get more grace. And Paul quickly follows that up with, so does that mean I should sin a lot so I get a lot of grace? By no means. But this is a very similar message that Paul gives us here because he says, you cannot out-suffer God's comfort. You can never face anything that causes you pain that God cannot grant you comfort for. I don't care where you are. 
I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care how deep in the hole you feel like you are. You will never experience suffering that God can't comfort. You'll never sin more than God can forgive. You'll never suffer more than God can comfort. I think that message is important for us to hear. I think that's something that we need to hold on to because I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've felt like I can't take any more. I'm at the end of my rope. Okay, okay. God, I'm at the end of my rope. I've tied the knot and I'm down to one finger and one thumb holding on to the knot and I, I think I'm about to lose it. Most of us have probably found ourselves in that situation at one time or another in our life, right? But no matter where you're at, no matter how deep your suffering is, God has comfort to get you through. And God can encourage you. You can never, you're never going to get to a place that God can't comfort you through. The month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. You may or may not be aware of that, but it is. And as I was, as I was preparing for today, I, I want to spend a long time on it. But one of the things that, one of the things that's a struggle, especially as we think about Mental Health Awareness Month, is suicide. Right? I mean, what happens? when we talk about a, about a topic like suicide. Most of the time, the reason that people attempt or actually do that is because they've gotten to a place where they don't think it's ever going to get better. They feel like they're in such a deep hole that there's no chance for improvement. My question for us as we sit here is doesn't God say there's never a place he can't comfort us through? And where is the church with our message to those people that I know, I know you feel like there's no hope. I feel like, I know you feel like there's no way out of this. But there is. Because God is the God of all comfort. And no matter how much you suffer, you can still receive comfort. There's always, there's always comfort in God's comfort well to give to you. The more you suffer, Paul says, the more God's going to grant you comfort. Is it, I don't know if that helps you, but man, that helps me. Because I've been in a hole before. I've been in a spot before where ah, I, I don't know that this is going to ever get better. And if it's not going to get better, ah, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure I want to continue. And I don't think that I'm the only one that's ever wrestled with that, that's sitting here this morning. But I want you to hear more than anything. I want you to hear that God loves you. That God sent his son to die for you. And God has more comfort than you could ever ask for. And he will, I promise you, he will get you through. Because the more that you suffer, the more God can comfort. And finally, 
what Paul tells us as we discuss this topic of comfort is that comfort is to be shared. Look at this. Look at what he says. Verse 4. He comforts us in all of our troubles. All of them. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. It's not, we're not just comforted to be comforted. We're not, God doesn't just grant us comfort so we can feel better. He grants us comfort so that we can comfort others. Right? When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. So the first question is, how many of you in here have received comfort? Probably all of us, right? The second question is, how have you shared that comfort? You remember what I told you the Greek word was for encourager and for comfort when we started this? The word is paraklesis. In John... 14, 15, and 16, Jesus speaks with the disciples in the upper room, right? Anybody heard that story? Jesus sits down with the disciples. They have the Last Supper. He says a few things to them. What does he promise to them in in that Last Supper? Several things. One of the things that he promises them is an advocate, right? And the advocate is who? The Holy Spirit, right? Do you know what word Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit when he says the advocate? Do you know what word he uses for that? He uses the word paraclete. Isn't that? Why did God, through his son, tell the disciples, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you an encourager. I'm going to send you an advocate, someone to stand alongside you and walk through life. Because I, I, I'm a cop, right? I, I'm a policeman. So probably if I'm saying that to the disciples, I'm sending them someone to keep them in line, keep them from messing up, right? Why did God not say, hey, I'm going to send you a police officer so you don't, so you don't mess it up, so you stay in line? So you don't make any mistakes. And if you do make mistakes, you can go to jail for it. That's, I'm, I'm going to send you that. Why did he say, I'm going to send you a comforter? Go all the way back to our passage. Who is God? God is our merciful father. And he's the God of all comfort. How does God want to be defined? How does he want us to know him? Does God want us to think of him as the checkmark God? Every time you mess up, oh, there's another one. (laughs) Hope you work that one off soon, slick. Or does God want us to know, (laughs) you should have listened to me. Come on, we'll get through it. Come on, I love you. It's going to be okay. Come on. In the most intimate moment Jesus has with his disciples, he says to them, I'm going to send you someone to comfort you. I'm going to send someone to encourage you. I'm going to send someone to walk alongside you. So what's our job as a church? I guess that 
I guess we have to at some point answer that question, don't we? If we've been comforted, if we've received comfort from God, and I believe we all have, if we've received that comfort from God, then what are we to do with that? Paul says, God comforts you so that you can be a comfort to other people. What's the church? Why does the church exist? As we go through the book of Acts and we learn about the church, why does the church matter? The church matters not because people come here and one of us stands up here and says, to them, to everybody that comes, how horrible they are. It's not that we come to be ridiculed or to be chastised. We, the church exists to be a place where we come and to worship. And, and part of worship is comfort. And part of worship is encouragement. And the church exists to bring love to each other. The church exists to support one another. Certainly in some of our messages, we're going to tell you that there's probably a different and a better way for you to live. But the real message of the church, the real message from Jesus is, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send you a comforter. And he's going to help you make it through. Man. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that God in all of his wisdom says what you really need is someone to encourage you? And isn't it amazing to look at churches today and see how often that message gets missed? Because we as the church like to think that we're better than people at times, don't we? We like to think that we're just a little bit more important. We're just the, I don't do the things that you do. People are hurting. People are suffering. Some of them for no blame of their own. Some, of, some people are suffering because they've made bad decisions. But, but the God of all comfort says, I'll still comfort you. Jesus is the one that said to the lady, well, where did all those people go that condemn you? I'm not going to condemn you either. But you should live differently. I'm going to ask Dave to come forward. Um, while he's coming, I'm... I'm going to share a story with you, and then we're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, and it's going to make some of you uncomfortable. Um, but, but God is good. He'll, he'll help you through it. I just spent a week in Washington, D.C. Um, and uh, in, in 2020, on July 4th of 2020, Anthony Dia was shot and killed. He was a Toledo police officer. He was shot and killed. On Martin Luther King Day of 2021, Brandon Stalker was shot and killed. And in my role at the time, I was, I became the escort officer for those families to go to Washington, D.C. 
Every year, this week, it's actually, this is the end of the week, but every year, the, the nation takes time to honor the sacrifices of law enforcement officers, uh, National Police Week. So the families from all of the officers that are killed in the line of duty are brought to Washington, D.C., and there's a candlelight vigil where every name is read, um, and there's some historical names, so like people maybe from the 1800s that never were recognized, but their name was put on the wall, the National Law Enforcement Officer Memorial Wall. And then on the 15th of May every year, on May 15th every year, there's a service where a family member from a, the fallen officer is given a carnation, a red carnation, to put into a wreath, and an officer from that department will render a salute while that flower is placed in the wreath in honor of that fallen officer. And that, it's, not just, it's not about, I don't want you to think this is about police, but this, that's my world, right? As a part of my role, a new role that I've taken on with the, with the board with cops, as I go, with, uh, I go to D.C. to help the escort officers know how to keep the family where they're supposed to be, And what you see is just broken lives. Spouses that are left with children. And I can't tell you how many spouses I've talked to while there that were pregnant at the time their officer was killed. And so the children, there are children there that never knew dad or never knew in to work with those children and to see the hurt in those families. And to see, to see the, the pain that they experience, it's, it's somewhat overwhelming. We, we spend a week there. And every, every person there has a story. Maybe it's a child of theirs that was killed in the line of duty. Maybe, maybe it was COVID. Maybe, maybe, whatever it might be. But what I learn while I'm there is there is so much hurt. But there's so much comfort. This morning, what we're going to do is, is something different for our congregation. We, we don't do this often. Um, but I talked to Rex and I said, I, I would like to do this. And we both know there are a lot of people in our church. There, there are people sitting here right now in, in, this, in this auditorium that are suffering. And if the church is really going to be the church, then those people that are hurting have to know there are people that love them and people that will support them, and people that will pray for them, and people that will encourage them, and people that will bring that comfort that God promised. And in a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start praying. And when I start praying, anyone, anyone that's here today that, that would like some encouragement, would, would like some comfort, would appreciate being prayed for. It doesn't have to be major. It doesn't have to be life-ending cancer. 
If you're suffering, if you're, if you're wrestling, if, if you're struggling today and, and you just need somebody to come alongside you and say, hey, it's gonna be okay, let's pray about this. We're gonna, we're gonna give you that opportunity. There are people that are, that are ready, prepared to pray with you. And if that's you, I wanna make it as, as comfortable for you as I can because it's important. So if you want to just raise your hand while we're going through this, somebody will find you. If you want to stand up where you're at, someone will, people will find you and they will pray with you. If you want to come forward, I'm going to be up here. If you want to come forward. If you want to stand up and walk to the back, this is your time. It's not whether or not there are people here that are suffering there are it's whether or not you'll be comfortable enough to let God comfort you through through other people remember shared comfort comfort comes from sharing so this is your time please don't allow a level of uncomfort with something that's different holds you back from receiving the blessing of someone praying for you and someone encouraging you and someone bringing comfort to you. Let's pray. God, you know. You know the hearts of our people. You know those that are here today that some, Lord, are are at the end of their rope and some are broken, just broken to nothing. Some, Lord, they're just in the middle of a struggle and they would just like to be encouraged. We've got people all the way, all in between there, Lord. And I pray, that, I pray that we can share with them. I pray that they'll open their hearts to be loved by us. I pray, Lord, that people that know, some of us may know there's people hurting and I just pray for freedom, Lord, just, just to be able to give your comfort to people this morning. God, you are the merciful Father, and you are the God of all comfort. And we ask you to come comfort us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.